0: Hello, everyone. I can't do a spooky voice.
1: I, <clears throat> <laughs> I like. I know what's coming, so I get so freaked out. And like,
0: I, I love to like hold back the laughter. Okay, you gotta go. Hello. Yeah, Okay. To the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Hannah Elam. How come you don't have to do a spooky say and I'm Hannah Elam in a spooky voice then? Okay. And I'm Hannah Elam. <laughs> <laughs> And today we're continuing getting spooky in September and continuing our coverage of the Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House. We're taking a look back at season one to recap the episodes and talk about all our favorite ghostly moments. Today we are diving right in with the fourth episode of the series, The Twin Thing. Last episode, we talked a lot about Theo, went through her whole journey from her time in Hill House to her time in the present. And this episode, we get to do a similar thing with Luke. Which is nice because the balance was starting to get uneven, you know It's like I had put a couple a couple little coins in the steve jar a couple of coins in the shirley jar a whole bunch in theo And now I'm, now i'm feeling like the Nell and luke areas like they're getting empty We got got a bit of them when they're kids, but we pretty much have seen nothing of luke as an adult So what coins are you putting in? I don't I don't this was just like it was just like a, a metaphor like putting the I don't know I was actually picturing like the things they use in harry potter to like give house points (laughs) You know, like the big like house point things. What what are those called? Like they're not like jars, the house point things. you put put a little little gems in you know they're not jars what are they called no no one knows and maybe we'll talk about it in the harry potter podcast (laughs) but in this episode of the haunting of (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh Okay. sorry the house point hourglasses all right i'm sorry can i continue (laughs) so now that uh we're getting more filled up in our
1: luke hour what is it house hour filled Hourglass. hourglass, Yeah, yeah we're, we're okay. putting
0: more more gems in the Luke hourglass. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now that we're getting our, our Luke glass
1: filled up with gems, we see more into his life and his most recent time in rehab. We also learn about the connection that Luke and Nell have as twins. Specifically, Luke shares a story about breaking his foot and how Nell called him later about complaining that her ankle hurt and she was icing it. And in the present, we see the whole episode, Luke is cold and stiff and a, a lot of these symptoms are also corresponding to coming down from a a high, right? He talks a little bit to Steve about that, but we know in this episode that Nell is dead. And so from this twin thing that they have going on, we can kind of assume that that's because of his connection to Nell and the fact that she's no longer with them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. I was trying to keep track of some of the twin moments that we get. We hear both of them say it's a twin thing several times in this episode. (laughs) We have Luke wake up in the middle of the night because Nell was awake. We have the ankle thing that you were talking about, which is probably the most physical, big thing we see or we hear about things like when Nell says, I know that you're scared because I'm scared, to Luke. So there's, there's a lot of little moments like that they seem to really be able to sense each other. And then of course, throughout this whole episode, present day, Luke is starting to feel cold, get chills, and then says that his arms and legs and muscles are seizing up, which of course is because we know that Nell has died and is I mean I don't know when the rigor mortis hits but probably a few hours after so going through all of that which is very sad we also get some gaps filled in in this episode because in episode one I truly did think like oh Lucas he's relapsed he's using again you know we knew that he was in rehab and now when he's leaving Steve's apartment stealing stuff he was shivering and sweating and looking bad and he was insisting that it wasn't what we thought it was and I didn't believe him and now I do believe him because I've seen the whole the whole scenario so look Luke was he was really he was really recovering the whole time look at him being clean at least for now I mean who knows what's gonna happen now that he just discovered that his twin sister died but but up until that point good job good job Luke with his 90 day chip
1: yeah well and it's kind of interesting too because another point that we hear him talk about is that his siblings never believe him and in the first episode if we kind of consider that each of these have been about the kids and the first one is about Steve, we're seeing it more so from his perspective, and he would believe that Luke is coming down from a high or started using again because they don't really have faith. So now we're getting the full story, or at least Luke's half of the story in, in that particular case. And so in this episode, we'll start recapping with the past. We see that dad wants Luke to grow up and not really believe in the imaginary anymore. And during Luke's speech, we also learned that Nell and Luke are sick when they're spending their summer here, which is maybe sort of when you start to make that transition. But to me, it seems a little early. We also see Nell sad because her parents don't believe her about the bent neck lady. So both these kids are kind of being forced to grow up. But maybe some of the things that their parents are considering imaginary aren't all that imaginary. We'll find out later. And we also see that Luke learned as a kid to have a very common coping mechanism of grounding herself. And he teaches this to Nell where he's counting and touching seven objects, representing the seven family members, and he continues this in his childhood to help give him the feeling of safety.
0: Yes, so we see that first with him using little toy soldiers and counting to seven and placing them and touching them, and then he shows Nell how to do it with some rocks that he found, and then he's sitting, as an adult, when we see him sitting near the basketball court, he's also just continually counting to seven. And he explains that the seven have to do with the seven family members, and he goes through and and points out I find it interesting that he just counts to seven as opposed to saying their names and going through that way I for one am someone who I'm trying to find clues I'm trying to make connections and in this one I was in particular paying attention to numbers this coping mechanism that he's using as a child seems to be helping him go through what I think we can see as the audience to be not just normal nightmares and imaginary friends or monsters but really seem to be real like he him and Nell are given some things in this episode she so she's given some buttons and he's given a bowler hat. And the the bowler hat we see is taken from him by a very tall man with a cane that's kind of floating along when he's in Hill House and actually physically takes the hat and then later on lifts up the corner of the bed and looks under it. So he's, I mean, if it's imaginary, he's able to interact with objects and, and the room. So well, and we even see him opening the doors as he's walking down the hallways, right? So right.
1: he's definitely able to to configure or or mess with things that
0: are in the human realm. Yeah, he's he's interacting with the physical world. So I agree, like finding out that they were six, parents, get off their backs, they're kids, they're gonna have imaginations <laughs> and I, I'm going back and forth because like they're not just imaginary, so believe them, but also if it was imaginary, that's fine, they don't need to grow up yet because they're six. Six-year-olds, like, if I grew up living in this house, I mean, I'm, I'm already a person who I was telling my mom this story earlier today. I'm creeped out easily by stuff that people probably wouldn't find creepy. Like, I have gone into bathrooms at restaurants that were just decorated in such a way, maybe the the bathroom was, like, painted a very dark color with big, like, cartoon faces all over, and it was creeping me out to where like I needed someone else to come in, and I couldn't even, like, look at the walls. And this is as an adult, you know? This is not when I was a kid. I was totally imagining child Mary doing this. No, no, this is adult (laughs) me. And then I'm just very spooked out by things that I think are at all eerie. So I was at a a dance that they were performing for this college and it was held in a building that used to be a bank. And so down one of the halls, when I was trying to find the bathroom, there was like a big, you know, old fashioned looking circular, like bank vault door kind of thing that was just at the end of the hall open, you know, with darkness gaping behind it. And like that is the kind of thing where I turned the corner and immediately went, and just some people probably think it was cool. But in this sort of dimly lit building where there's a dance. Going on, I was creeped out, and I couldn't. I couldn't even walk down the hall to go to the bathroom. So why do these things always involve bathrooms? I don't know, but uh, maybe that just says something. Stop needing to go to the bathroom. Just wear a diaper like all the time, and all of these issues will go away. I think that's the plan. I would never have been able to live in a house like this. I would never be able to explore it. I would just sit in one room at all times and never leave. And uh, that I. I mean, maybe maybe not as a kid, but definitely now that would be how. I, I, like I just wouldn't even want to go into the house. We
1: did learn in the last episode though that there are blueprints for the house. So at least now if you were living there, you would maybe have some answers as far as what's going on in the house but not all of them because even the basement wasn't on the blueprints. So maybe there's even more that's left out of the blueprints.
0: I just need to know what Steve and Shirley were doing. I mean, Shirley had her creepiness with the cats. We don't know what Steve's life was like yet but if he's just like sitting at the kitchen table reading books and eating sandwiches, maybe that's just what I need in my life and nothing else.
1: (laughs) Books and sandwiches which is all Mary needs for a good life. Uh, Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) Most of this episode was in the present day where, like you said, Luke is in rehab. Right, so we see him in rehab. He's at the three-month
1: sober mark, which is 90 days. He is starting to acknowledge the bad that he's done in the past. This is also the longest that he has been sober in 10 years, and it's taken them this long to get here. We also see his relationship with another person in recovery, Joey, who then leaves the center And this episode focuses Around his journey to try And get her back to the center
0: And so that's where we run into Some of these situations of like him trying to get money Which we saw in the first episode You know, trying to steal stuff from Steve To to pawn off to get cash He finds the girl, Joey And she has been She uh, relapsed and is using again And so he wants her to go somewhere safe To sober up And so he wants to be able to get them a, a motel room or something for a couple of days uh, to be with her while she comes down and then probably goes through withdrawal. That's what he needs the money for. And he first is going to go to Lee's house where Steve no longer lives. And when we're in this scene, we get a flashback to just two months ago. So we realize that this issue that we've been seeing with Steve and Lee's relationship is clearly very recent. They said in the past month they separated. So Luke didn't even know about it. And that's something that I wasn't clear about in the first couple episodes. Was like, have they been? Have they been separated for only a little while? While? Has it been years? I'm not really sure. So it looks like it's only been a month. And just two months ago, when Luke was at his 30-day mark and he got a day out of the center to visit, they seem to be more or less okay. There's a little bit of tension brought up when Joey mentions, oh, you should fill fill this house with children. So my mind is immediately going, oh, did they have some kind of disagreement about wanting children or not wanting children? So I'm assuming we'll find out more about that. But Joey's a very interesting character because she does seem to be like this pretty good influence for Luke. She seems to have everything under control and doesn't seem to be struggling as much as he is. But we clearly see that that's like all on the surface because she pretty much immediately relapses and then steals his money and runs away with it when he's trying to get her help. So things are not going well for her. It's pretty conflicting for me as far as how I should feel about
1: Joey because we get this scene of the flashback where she seems very insightful and she's I think, yeah, she's at the nine month mark, right? Right. And they refer to that as to like a pregnancy. Her sobriety is full term. And so maybe it's one of those things where she is dealing with commitment issues, but it's so hard because, right, you're rooting for her and you're so excited for her and the somewhat relationship that she has with Luke. But then she turns her back on him and lies to him when he's just trying to help her out. I have never personally experienced someone who who has an addiction in my family or or close to me. So I feel like this is accurate, but I, I wouldn't
0: be the best tell of that. Something else that I noticed here, we just were talking about in the past and, and also in the present with Luke's coping mechanism of counting to seven, which we also see in the present. I have been looking for clues and trying to think of things. And, you know, in the previous episode, we were talking about the five senses and maybe how those correlate to the children. And so I was paying attention to little things. And one thing that sparked my interest was numbers in this episode. So we've got, the 90 days, the three months, the 30 days, the one month, the nine months. And then we also have Luke, who is currently on step four of presumably his 12 step recovery process. And he says that step four is always the hardest. And that seems to be where he keeps bouncing out. So he's really trying to do that here. And step four, which I did not know what it was, but I looked it up, is making a personal and moral inventory of yourself. And so we see him journaling at the beginning of the episode and trying to go through and think about what are all the wrongs that I've done? Who have I hurt. He talks about stealing from his aunt when he was in high school to go buy alcohol, missing Nell's wedding, and and lots of different things that he goes through. But I was just thinking about this, the step four, why is step four so hard for him? And then when we got to the seven with the seven family members, I was thinking, is there any kind of correlation? Does it have to do with is he the fourth child? I'm not sure who was born first between him and Nell. Is it because at this point in the present, both his mom and Nell have passed away? There's only five of them left. It is this some sort of foreshadowing to the fact that he can't complete this process until there's four family members left is there are there only going to be four you know we don't know among himself Steve Theo Shirley and his dad like is one more of them going to drop at some point during the series that's the kind of thing i'm just thinking about here when when looking at numbers so maybe it's nothing maybe it's something i don't know i definitely had not Hannah gone nods that... and says nothing <laughs> <laughs> i definitely
1: had not gone that deep into the numbering here he refers to it as fearless moral inventory and kind of goes into how he has a lot of fear. I think the closest one would be that he was the fourth born and especially because as we're going through the episodes, right, we're at the fourth episode it's kind of corresponding to Luke here so I think that would probably be the closest one that I could think of but you know if the writers of Haunting of Hill House are listening to this, you have some more ideas for potentially future seasons. You know, (laughs) if this is something that you included as a nod, know that there are some people out there like Mary
0: Kwiatkowski that will pick up on those. Or just just, uh, look for clues where there are none. That might be it, too. And then, of course, the other thing that's happening throughout this whole episode is the whole bowler hat situation and the, the man with the bowler hat. So, we have Luke acquire this bowler hat that his mom finds somewhere in the house, in the attic or whatever. She's cleaning out some old things. He takes the hat. The hat's too big for him, but they say maybe he'll grow into it. And then we see the ghostly man with the cane, who's very tall, take it from him. Kind of hard to tell that that scene with the in the hill house was very dark so i was kind of hard to tell if that was the exact same looking person to the man that we find following him in present day and and being around all outside we see him constantly we see him at the in front of a garage in the alley walking behind him sometimes he's far away throughout the whole episode he gets closer and closer and closer until the end where they're back to back almost touching and he turns around and it's his mom wearing the bowler hat and says Come home, and then her eyes turn very bright, and that's right when the headlights show up for Steve and his recovery handler Paige, who show up right then to pick him up.
1: Yeah. So another thing that he goes over in his speech is that he started using to try and get rid of what haunted him, and this in his summer at Hill House. And so I think this man in the bowler hat, and I do believe it is the same ghost. I Mm -hmm. I think that you know it's he sees it when he's a kid, and now it's around him again. We see that ghost. getting closer and closer until the end of the episode where he's straight up following Luke down the street. You're led to believe that this is exactly what he's trying to get away from, right? Is that potentially when he's high that these visions aren't around him, he's able to think clearly maybe more so or or not be haunted. We do hear other people's stories where the things that haunt them from their past are actually made more prevalent by their addiction. Like the man who only sees the kid with the melted eyeballs.
0: Yeah, and that was a that was a really spooky and riveting story of the army guy who witnessed a, a young Iraqi girl burned and then her eyeballs melting down her face. He said like like running eggs and that he he blinded himself using a knitting needle in order to not see it anymore, but he says, "I leaned on my habit to get rid of that face and my habit made sure that I never would." And then Luke says not exactly the same thing, but a similar thing which was talking about how he experienced his mom's death when he was six years old, and he always was hoping that his mom would come back every time he saw headlights. And his mom never did come back, but other things from his childhood did. And then we see the bowler hat man. So there's definitely some correlation there for sure. The bowler hat man, m- much more like the bent neck lady, though, doesn't appear to really be hurting him. I mean, it's spooky. It's there. It's following him. It's around. But it does not seem to be attacking him in the same way that the creature in the basement did. So we have these different types of ghosts here. And, and I don't know if the connection I was supposed to make is that this person is his mom because of when he turns around at the end and sees her. I, I kind of think that those are two separate ghostly entities or visions of some kind. But I don't know about you. Was, was that your impression that these were separate things? I definitely had that feeling. It's also hard to know, right? Because
1: whenever we see the bowler hat man in the past and in the present, it's always the back of him. We never actually see his face. So since he is from the past, I'm led to believe that it's not the mother. Also, when he turns around, the mother has the long hair, but the ghost that we see following Luke never has long hair. So I, I agree with you that I think that they are separate. And I, yeah. and I think this also leads more to the fact that this is just something in Luke's head that, that is actually haunt just haunting him rather than maybe an actual ghostly presence just because it does switch and it seems like most of the other times where, where the kids are having visions or seeing other figures in, in the real world, they're not always connected to Hill House necessarily. Like, you know, this is the first time where we see one that actually connects back to, to Hill House, where when, Shirley, when it's Shirley's ghost, it's the mom who is from Hill House, but it's also just a family member, and Theo getting haunted by Mr. Smiley. And each of these are instances where they're not actually maybe real because when they turn around or switch on the lights they're gone right so this is just something that luke is maybe seeing and is having follow him but may not actually be there right
0: more so in his mind so there's a few other moments that i just wanted to mention here that i noticed there's nell as a ghost showing up in his room uh he we see the same clip again of luke waking up presumably at 303 eastern time clutching his throat that we saw right after nell died or presumably at the same time she died when all the other kids woke up and then we see the ghost of Nell standing at the foot of his bed telling him to go and then he has a note under his pillow saying don't follow me now I know that we're probably meant to believe that this note is from Joey but part of me almost felt like maybe it was from Nell or somehow associated to her of you know I died don't follow me don't go to the house kind of was a a connection I made there
1: well and what's funny to me is that last episode we had Theo connecting Kelsey to Nellie and in this episode we see Luke saying that Joey reminds him of Nellie. So all of the siblings are kind of not all of them, two of them, are are trying to kind of see connections in their current life to their siblings that they have, which I think is is interesting.
0: And in particular, Nell who maybe it's because she passed away, maybe it's because she's, I don't know, the most misunderstood or or seems to have a lot more issues of some kind. You know, Theo talked heavily in the first episode about how they had some kind of beef and they hadn't made up and that she is angry with Nellie for going back to the house and for killing herself and she said in the previous episode that Nellie, more than anyone else, should understand what suicide does to a family, which I would think like if you're, Theo, if you're thinking that then maybe everything's not exactly what it seems, which is also what we get from Luke in this episode when Steve picks him up and he says Nell is dead she killed herself, it was suicide, and Luke says no, it wasn't and that's where the episode ends. Yeah, so
1: we're left with a cliffhanger because all that we've heard up until this point is that she has died by suicide, and so it's very interesting to see this shift here where maybe there's something else that's going on. Were you surprised to hear this?
0: I wasn't surprised because I I don't believe that either of the deaths, her or her mom, are just going to be... I think there's more to the story here. I think that there this is a mystery and that even if they maybe did die at their own hands, there's, there's something else going on, some other kind of thing that's compelling them to do it, more so than just prior trauma. So I'm curious to see what it is, but whew, uh, it, it's cut such a cliffhanger. I almost I almost kept watching to the next episode, so <laughs> well, we'll see. Well,
1: and it's interesting to think back on the last episode again, because we know that Theo at least understands something about Nell's past, whether it be from her, her last visit to Hill House or other times. And we know that there was severe trauma because she l- sits down and just starts bawling. So it, we're definitely getting hints that, that something Else is going on, but don't really have any answers yet.
0: <laughs> no, Theo, communicate, people, are like let me, let me know. I and the problem is, I bet next episode is going to be like, and now it's time for the Shirley episode or whatever. And we're not going, <laughs> we're not going to find out about this for a while. But whatever, it's a slow burn. It's fine. Um, okay, well, that was most of the summer of the episode. Shall we get into the segments? Yeah. So we've covered a lot
1: about the Buller Hat Man. Also talked about Luke's experience with his possible Nell ghost. But then there's one other. Instance in the past where they're throwing buttons down the telephone-like device and it gets stuck, but then it dislodges and we hear someone whispering Clara. And then Luke goes up into the bedroom where the top of the telephone is, and we hear Clara again. And we also see a reflection in the device of a ghost.
0: Yes, it looks like an, an elderly woman, perhaps. And this is in the room with the the bed that Theo said's a sick bed. And when they're up there, Clara is said much louder and it looks like you know this person in their flexion might be like right behind Luke that was uh that was a, a tense moment for me personally just because like the bowler hat man didn't really scare me that much because you you saw him you were you know he was slowly creeping on you they, they didn't he never really jumped out at you they always just kind of put him in the center of the frame as opposed to the edge or something but the uh yeah the, the Clara voice ghost was the one that threw me off the most
1: I will say at the end when the bowler hat man is following Luke is the most tense that I felt in this episode because you're just like, oh my gosh, he's creeping up on him, and then and then he, you know he, he turns around to it, and it's it's one of those where we kind of talked about in the first episode, right, where you do have some relief that's that's expelled when when you when he turns around because it is the mom, which is a more comforting image than what could possibly be here,
0: comforting, but something we still need explained. Yes,
1: yeah, I <laughs> I, I get tense just thinking about it. It's it's funny because I still am feeling so similar Aspects to when I was first watching it, even though I have the knowledge of other things, just because it has been a while since I've watched it. So it's interesting to come back a few years later to to talk about this. So, in this episode, the would you rather, and you kind of already answered it, but the one I have is who would you rather haunt you? Right? We have the bent neck lady who's haunting Nell and the bowler hat man who's haunting Luke.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to take the bowler hat man just because I don't have to see their face and it's just the back of them. I mean, you're always going to be haunted by that idea that they could turn around. But if they're just going to turn around and see my dead mother, then maybe that's better than I think that the bent neck lady, there's just the long hair and the trauma and the creeping over top of a person is, is like, you know, for me, I would choose the big ne- bent neck lady just because she looms more
1: instead of interferes, right? With the bowler hat man, we see him interfering with objects that are, are in the house and taking the hat back. So that is a bit too far for me. I think.
0: I don't know. I Yeah, maybe. But I guess I'm thinking more of like the adult version of Luke with the bowler hat man. But the the stumping around and floating. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted his hat back and maybe he's going to be happy now. And is not going to bother him anymore? I don't know.
1: <laughs> All right. We finally had one where we didn't necessarily agree on the answer. <laughs> yeah. For superlatives, did you have a
0: moment that you thought was the funniest or the most lighthearted for this episode? It's a really good question because there was a lot of of tense moments there was a couple motivational moments trying to think if there was anything that really made me laugh probably just joey i don't i don't know i don't really have anything that's like super fun do you have anything that's super funny it's not funny but
1: i just felt pretty motivated when joey was talking about her speech of recovery and what it means to her and again it just goes back to like she makes you really want to root for her and it just makes it all the more devastating when when she relapses
0: i think there's that i I think maybe there's just like a couple one-liners that were nice like every time Luke said oh it's a twin thing kind of like the the telling the story his version of telling the story about when he broke his ankle and then getting a call from Nell talking about how she was icing it the whole time I I do feel like that was kind of lighthearted. so most of the conversation he had with Joey what even if it was serious was in a light tone because that actress was just very light and chipper the whole time
1: yeah and then for me scariest moment I would have to pick the bowler hat man searching for his hat uh, in the past. It's again one of the tense, most tense moments of the episode and it's incremental, right? It, it starts to build because you hear the tapping, you wonder what's happening, you look and you see this man looming and it's a very slow scene, right? It, it's not a quick moving zombie like you would see in Zombieland. It's slow moving and so you just have this tension building the whole time. Once he starts to leave, you kind of breathe again like Luke does, but then he comes back for you, right? <laughs>
0: right. Right. Luke hides under the bed, but the you know, can't escape the guy's gonna come in and, and then lift up the bed as well. So it was certainly drawn out. And, and that's what we've seen from the show a lot of it likes the suspense. It's not just gonna give you jump scares, it's gonna have these more slow shots and building more, it's gonna force you to look at the man coming down the hallway slowly. So yeah, that's that's one for me. For me, the scariest moment, just because I've mentioned, I'm more of an auditory person was when when they go up into the bedroom, room with the sickbed the grandmother says clara very loudly like right in your ear that for me is the is the moment that's made me jump the most on top of this i know that that was a scary moment but there's there were a couple little things i just wanted to point out is i'm not sure if this would exactly fit under strange happenings but just some things i noted we have a moment in the past where and this is right after luke is given the bowler hat where the mom says that she's having a moment of deja vu and it's a very specific Like she goes into a lot of specifics about this déjà vu. It's not like oh I have a feeling like I've been here before. She's like no, I can sense to me what I gathered was all of the people who've been in this room, how this room was set up, what it was used for. There's a child in a wheelchair, and there's you know parents and and three kids, and they're playing in this area, and there's leather, and she was really describing going to the specifics, and so she was getting in my opinion, or you know what I'm presuming was some sort of flash of maybe the past or the future or something. So I thought that was kind of a strange happening and then also right after that this is just like a little moment that made me think where she looks up at the spiral staircase and sees some ropes hanging and tells the husband hey you need to take those down or i expect to see bodies swinging there that's just asking for an accident so of course for me i'm thinking oh no are there going to be bodies swinging from that spiral staircase at some point just because she she put it into into the ether uh one of
1: those moments where i will remain silent and talk about (laughs) maybe another potential strange happening where I wasn't quite sure if this was happening because we get a transition from the future into the past and it's connected by dogs barking. So I was thinking that maybe like there's dogs barking outside again and that's what wakes Luke up. But then this is right before the scene with the bowler hat man coming to search for his hat. So I couldn't tell if the dogs barking was just in the present or if it was actually happening in the past again. So I wasn't sure if we were getting a call back
0: to that from the second episode. Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah, because there's the dog in the present and then hearing that and and we've heard the Dudley say that there are no dogs around and that they don't hear any dogs and even Mr. and Mrs. Crane maybe don't hear them. They say, oh, well, the kids hear them every night. He didn't say we hear them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, something definitely the the dog barking uh, seems to trigger maybe some of the ghostly happenings in the house. All right. And that's the Luke episode. Got anything else?
1: (laughs) Our Luke glass is full with our gems now.
0: Now. Yes, it really is. We've filled up some Luke gems and, and now we just need to move on to some of the other children and even them out. Theo and Luke, like, like they're creeping up. Like I feel we had a lot of Shirley and Steve the first couple episodes, but we could do some more, especially from uh, from the, the final night in Hill House. Really curious to, to get some more of those gaps. Yeah, we got to see what Shirley's talking about all the time. Oh yeah. What is she talking about in her sleep? <laughs> all right, everyone. Feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on Twitter at KowskiCast. That's Cow with a K. You can also check out all of our other podcasts on our website or on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We've got Twilight, Riverdale, Revenge, and probably more in the future. You can follow me online at Frail Mary, and you can follow Hannah at hannahv.exe on Instagram.
1: And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you left us a five-star rating and a review. It would help other people find our podcast, and we'll even read your review on a podcast. It's
0: really just the best reward and all we can offer on this podcast that makes no money. <laughs> <laughs> okay everyone that's all for this week's episode thank you for joining us and we'll be back next time for our coverage of episode five the bent neck lady oh gosh see look i haven't i don't read these until <laughs> hannah writes them in and now i'm like great i didn't look at the list so we're getting more i don't want to know about the bent neck lady Ugh, okay all right for now we're the kowski cast thanks for listening bye